What is true for you? What is true? When the rug is ripped out, when the stuff hits the fan, when all else fails, when you can't remember where to turn, what remains as truth, tested, lasting? There are lots of things in which we mere mortals put our faith. Money, government, jobs, modern medicine, our colleagues, our parents, our kids. These are the baskets into which we put our eggs, and for some of us, some of these things are a part of what is good and holy and true in the world. So what is true for you? Many of you, I'm sure, have heard the NPR series, This I Believe where people across the country and even through generations have written short essays about what they consider to be essential truths. There are tens of thousands of these essays in the archives online. They're about parenting and the golden rule, science, mental health, medicine, love. The subjects run a deep, wide gamut. But the authors have all identified for themselves what they believe to be truth. It's a harder question than I want it to be. It's hard to pin down truth. And truth, if this I believe is any indicator, is different for everyone. After studying the scriptures this week, I think my own this I believe essay would be about Psalm 23. I believe in the complicated truth of this beloved psalm. There's a painting hanging in my house by the artist John August Swanson. It was a Christmas gift from my husband, and I love it dearly. It's a rendering of Psalm 23 in rich, bright colors. The star-speckled night sky covers the top half of the painting, and the bottom half is full of tiny, complicated detail. There's a quiet body of water, tall, shadowy trees, a forest full of animals of every stripe, from lions to peacocks, most of them sleeping. And right in the middle are two people arm in arm, carrying lanterns that cast a golden circle of light on their sure faces, lighting the path in front of them, illuminating whatever might lurk in the dark night around. Their truth, I think, is in that light. The light is in the lovely metaphorical way that painters and poets and psalmists can get away with, that self-same Lord we hear about in this morning's psalm. Psalm 23 is without a doubt the most well-known of the psalms. I'm sure it's in the top ten of the most memorized scripture passages of all time. Folks that don't even profess to know any Bible, they know Psalm 23. We hear it a lot at funerals, often alongside this morning's passage from Isaiah. It's a natural choice because it reminds us that we are accompanied, always, by a God that comforts us, always. And while shepherd imagery doesn't really float my theological boat, 
I give it a pass in this one. So beloved is the sentiment, so deeply ingrained in every Christian's consciousness. There's a profundity in Psalm 23 that transcends its commonality. Maybe that's why it's so popular. It expresses one of those fundamental truths that I mentioned earlier. God is with us. We are accompanied. And if we are listening, we are guided into paths of right living. But I think there's more than that. The 23rd Psalm is comforting. Yes. It reminds us that the God in which we believe is a comforter and provider, strong when we are weak, brave when we are scared. But today's psalm does not lead us into a delusional world of false expectations. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, our faithful psalmist prays, acknowledging that the valley still exists, even in a world where a good God reigns. God sets a table in the presence of my enemies, reminding us that while God may set that table, it's our duty to sit down, to feast, surrounded by even possibly dining with those who make us most uncomfortable, those who threaten us, those who shake our very foundations. God, our shepherd, with rod and staff, steady presence and gentle hand, does not promise a life free of worry or anger or sadness. There's no question that every one of us will indeed walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm willing to bet that most of us gathered here already have. We do not, any of us, leave that valley unscarred. The death of those we love, even with all of the promises of the gospel, even with the ultimate knowledge of the resurrection, that knowledge bruises and batters those of us left living. God, our shepherd, with well-appointed table, full of, with full cup and anointing oils, does not promise a life free of conflict. We are called to live lives of integrity, to own our mistakes, to ask forgiveness when we offend. We are also called to offer forgiveness when we are hurt again and again and again. We all have those who challenge us. We're all called into relationship with them, perhaps even to sit at table in their presence. Psalm 23 speaks all of these difficult truths, that death and heartbreak are still a part of a life of faith. It doesn't gloss this over, but it does remind us of an even greater truth, that we are never, ever alone. This is why, of course, this psalm is so beloved across disparate Christian denominations. No matter where you are on your faith journey, no matter what you believe about the essence and the nature of the divine, we can all take as a core truth, a deep and holy truth, that God is with us, 
not to remove pain and sadness, but to mitigate them, to accompany us through them, to hold us, carry us, guide us, and love us as we mourn and as we feast. Amen.